spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I haven't dreamed of that moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I haven't dreamed of waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins, where it all came from, since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Hi, it's Ambien from Spoken Label. Thank you today for streaming or downloading another episode of Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up on beginning of the 2016 and as of speaking has currently nearly 300 sessions. The full archive is available on Spoken Label full stop bandcamp.com although it is available for free for stream and download if you wish i am always grateful for any sort of kind of donation to enable to me to keep the running costs of this podcast going and enjoy take care bye-bye spoken mate. every time you greet me with a hey how's it going i want to tell you unconscious is capsized in the nucleus of none throat chest Constricted, tight, my body fights the need for flight from a terror non-existent metaphor into existence, decimating sleep, sweat-drenching sheets, forcing I'm okay with the looping on repeat at cyclonic speed that sweeps paralysis free until finally I can breathe and drift back to sleep. That this week has been fine. Panic attacks attacking a number of times, but I am getting used to warning people of my triggers and heating trigger warnings to prevent me getting triggered, although sometimes I'm triggered for no reason I can think of and any reason I require to reason myself out after I'm hitting up adrenaline and panic in the toilet while it's long gone on holiday, it sees no reason to return from. That there is no comfort to the discomfort of being so uncomfortable in my skin anywhere on the horizon, so I tend to sink in. With it. Unlike the shame that's blossoming, spreading seeds with the speed of a noxious weed promising, I will never be free. It owns me. That tears threaten to spill from eyes that fill indiscriminately. I cry with no provocation. I am a pro in the vocation of crying and the frustration of it. I am sick to goddamn death in denying, so I just stay home. But mostly, I want you to know that lonely is a synonym only for a word yet to be created to describe the crater, crater into me, leaving me not quite all here, so never truly sin. Instead, I answer your question with an answer that will stop you asking questions. And always, with a smile, I reply, Hey, I'm great. I'm fine. I'm okay. Okay, so um, I'm not really sure if trigger warnings is something that we do here, but uh, in Australia it's very, everyone likes to have a trigger warning and 
Uh, so I should have sort of said at the beginning of the set, uh, pretty much everything that I do carries a trigger warning because I do tackle some pretty dark shit. Uh, <laughs> I'm a joyful, happy person, honestly. I just talk about dark shit. Um, so anyway, this next one is dealing with domestic violence and I would just encourage anyone throughout my set, throughout any of the poems, if anything affects you, please feel free to leave. I'm not going to be offended at all. I think that self-care is of the utmost importance and uh, that, is, uh, that is your responsibility. So please just get up and leave and come back when you can. I'm always up for a hug at the end of a set, so um, if you need one, you know where to find me. Okay, this is called Punchline. Attracted to you because you were a funny bloke, she never imagined she'd feature in your one-man stand-up show as the punchline to your jokes. She was just looking for a good time, which you showed her. Disguising yourself as sublime, you fooled her. Matching her sparkle with dazzle, you wooed her. What could she do but think all her dreams had come true as you pursued her? It was not until after the wedding you marooned her and we just assumed each time she made an excuse she was busy being a wife. She was. To an abuser. She was a ray of sunshine the rare times we saw her but I noticed the storm clouds gathering on her skin when her sleeves slipped back as we were pegging washing and I begged her to leave. She shrugged, said, it's nothing, a once-off only and you will be on the side. Next came the black eye, followed by the broken ribs, followed by the beating so bad she would never have kids, and I stood powerlessly by, wondering why the woman who once told me the only point to living is to have a good time could keep going home to you. She would not leave, because she wanted to believe her love was all you'd need to find your way back to the man you were before you married. She'd never been a quitter. It did not matter that you hit her, only that she knew the monster who beat her black and blue was not the real you, and you were trying to be back. I want to know, what turned you into a chameleon, hiding beneath the skin that helps you blend in, standing out to women until you've sucked them in? What motivates you to use physical and mental abuse as a tool to remove their core, leaving them hollow, merely shadows as dark as the makeup and clothes they use to disguise your violence? I wanted to take her. Make her my prisoner until the Stockholm Syndrome convincing her she was Harley Quinn to your joker wore off. I wanted her to remember what having a good time felt like before her life was over. I wanted you behind bars, featuring in a show where you copped a few punchlines of your own. But I waited just a moment too long. A moment you used to punch a bullet through her brain and another through your own, leaving me to teach the lesson. There's no time to hesitate if you want to keep somebody safe. Yeah! Since the Garden of Eden to present day, women have been labelled, no matter how they behave. Witch, bitch, bewitcher, emotional, prone to hysteria, temptress, tease, temperamental, hopeless, helpless, and our all-time favourite, hormonal. Diminishing anything we say to less than intelligent or credible, yet incredibly when you say, until proven guilty, everyone has the right to be presumed innocent, you lack the intelligence to understand. Presumption of innocence does not make you innocent. When you say... 
here we go, another woman on the bandwagon of Me Too. Do you honestly believe we would choose to make up a story, placing us under public scrutiny for everyone to scrutinise and hypothesise about the part we had to play in some guy not keeping his hands to himself, his mouth shut or his pants zipped up? I don't think you realise the bravery required to step into an arena where you're less likely to be heard than fired, an arena where women remain defenceless as you build your defence with any historical evidence that will show her up as being a slut as if that will prove you're innocent? I don't think you realise. The Me Too movement only exists because those with any kind of power insist on using it for their own gratuitous benefit. And let's not forget, it was your need to say Me Too at lunch with your fist bumping boys club that led you to engage in exploitive behaviour so you could trade not stories but facts of escapades, rendering women to their knees and backs as you back them into corners of no choice choices with your bribery and coercion. Remember. As your then jubilant cry of Me Too echoes down through time back to you. These women are exorcising the demons born of your misuse. They are exercising their right to no longer remain silent. And no matter how much time's expired, your presumption they are lying does not make them lies. Um, so this next one just needs a little bit of an explanation because in Australia we have um, a lot of our workers work on mine sites and offshore and all the rest of it. So we term what they do as fly-in, fly-out employment. So they fly away for a couple of weeks, come home for a week and fly out again. So um, I know that here in the UK um, FIFO means first in, first out, but this poem refers to the fly-in, fly-out as in working. <coughs> Only Algebra Lesson 101 can explain how difficult it is to make letters of unknown quantity equal something positive. These letters precede the names of my family like university degrees, but the only doctorate we can claim is in dysfunctionality. PTSD divided by ASD multiplied by ADHD to the power of three means the probability of cascading catastrophe recurring all too regularly is most fucking likely. ADHD leaves about in the equation, causing fractionation within every conversation, triggering a PTSD supernova detonation. Emotional attachment is subtracted by ASD, who manipulates logic into brackets and presents scientific facts on any given topic, completely referencing irrefutable, leaving us speechless and bamboozled. This argument-winning formula breaks down the other letters to their lowest common denominator, the remainder being the uselessness of deficit and trauma. For those needing maths extension, you can add formal letters that come and go with the regularity of FIFO. Yes, it's a fucking algebraic horror show, and the fallout fills our lives with a dark symphony of sounds that sound suspiciously like judgments, disguised as suggestions, all profound, but no matter where you place the letters in this equation, they will only ever equal attention deficit, post-traumatic stress, fly-in, fly-out, and autism spectrum. 
added together within the brackets of one family, you get the sum total of emotional fuck-uppery. A mother morphing to monster doing far more harm than good, becoming a mother, becoming a monster, becoming a mother full of guilt. Children becoming monsters whenever frustration starts to build. Fathers, notwithstanding the shitstorm that comes at their stood full tilt, becoming monsters filled to overload with overwhelm, but still having to make the best of things until they fly away again. Mothers, fathers, daughters, sons, with monsters they can't contain. Overuse a formula that spells sorry and equals shame. Hoping for an equation to fade their reptilian brains away, an addition of double negatives to create a positive reframe of a problem without solution. Dividing families every day. So um, my last one for this set, yeah, I'm going to actually read because I haven't learned this one, um, but it's a really beautiful and important poem to me. Um, I was the only granddaughter that my grandmother had. She only had grandsons, and so we were very, very close. And um, yeah, she had a story that I never really got to know. So this is for her. My grandmother's chest, which I inherited at her bequest, has two grown men struggling to bear the weight of it. And as they place it haphazardly down in the space I have made for it, I know it is full to the brim of all the things that will trigger a journey into childhood memory. I know before I lift the solid wood lid carved with intricate designs that tell their own story, the things within are all that remain of a life lived. When I peek inside, her possessions remind me of holidays spent sleeping on a mattress on the floor at the end of her bed, feeling loved and content. The sight of her knitting needles conjure the click-clacking song that could be heard all year long as she knitted and purled wisdom subliminally into leg warmers and jumpers for me. I can picture the hot afternoon spent inside with the curtains drawn as I hold a small cardboard box with its corners torn containing two tiny decks of cards, one pink, one blue, that she would use to teach me patience. And I wonder, if these are the things she wanted to leave me with, did she really want me to have her treasured game of Grable kept immaculate in its box to remind me of the incredible vocabulary she passed on by placing letters on the board when instead she could have shared it, sharing words. Words she kept trapped beneath a ribcage that should have snapped under the weight of all the horrors unsaid and packed back at the back of her throat that surely ached with the constraint of their containment. She went to her death, chest heavy, leaving me with a heavy chest of things that tell me nothing of the life she lived. She went to her death, chest heavy, leaving me without the most important thing, her story. She went to her death, chest heavy, and I now have a heavy chest of memories that are only my side of her part in my story. I am sorry, now I know what she boxed up inside her body. I could never unpack her chest the way I am unpacking this one, taking each item with reverence and gentleness, examining, validating and rehoming it, so eventually there would be an empty space of weightlessness, an empty space to make breathing space, in a chest that must have always felt breathless under the weight of violations inflicted upon it, 
an empty space to make me make a heart space, open to receiving the love directed her way that she could never trust. An empty space that even if filled with nothing would have been better weightless than weighted with the unspoken trauma of misuse and abuse she had to deal with. An empty space that would have meant she had gifted me her story to store alongside the memories I am unpacking from her beautiful wooden chest that I inherited at her request. Stockport at the Peter's Gate Tap and um, the my fabulous host Randy Horton has organised this amazing event for us. Um, we are so bad with technology so before you actually put people live on the internet you're supposed to ask permission. <laughs> so, uh, sorry. Gave us permission for you to go on the internet. That was really small print. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was. But it was there. So we're okay. Is everyone okay? Yes, good. Awesome. We got the thumbs up. So just, so everyone knows we haven't broken any rules. We're not. We're not. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to do my step now. Okay. Alright. Um, so everyone, I'm pretty sure every poet in the world has a. Um, Sorry, it's actually hot up here. I'm pretty sure every poet in the world has a, a COVID poem because, you know, we're in isolation and, and uh, when we are in those sorts of situations, we poet. So this is mine. It's called The Phone Call. Uh, and I might, I'm just going to say a little preamble. In Western Australia, we were extremely lucky. We were barely touched by COVID. Um, we had a government that literally shut our borders the day that we first heard of COVID. No one was allowed in, no one was allowed out. And so we were kept very, very, very safe until um, the vaccines came. And then, you know, uh, that was made mandatory. But that's okay. <laughs> we're safe. Um, so, yeah, so basically uh, it wasn't really... I mean, I had lots of people overseas who were nurses and all the rest of it, so I was hearing these really awful stories about what was going on everywhere in the world, but I wasn't actually personally touched by it until um, the company that uh, my ex worked for was um, talking about redundancies and uh, and then we had an incident and, yeah, it just really hit home. But this is, this is something that... It, it, it's not just the disease itself that is going to wipe people out, it is all the falling off from it. So, ah, this is my piece. We've been expecting a phone call to deliver a message that's becoming norm. The symptom of something viral sweeping across borders and oceans, bringing oceans of tears to our borders. It came today, caller ID on display. We knew the words, I'm sorry, I have bad news, would put into jeopardy the financial security of our family. Instead, I'm sorry, a colleague has passed away at home, came down the line in a quiet monotone and we instantly recognised the words were code for suicide. A job loss became a life lost. A man's name on a FIFO roster permanently crossed off. 
any opportunity to be rostered back on or attend his child's first birthday forever gone. Any chance to say, hey, mate, it will be okay, vanished in an instant today. We have seen since the onslaught of COVID-19, the globalisation of human suffering, humanity reaching out while staying in, posting and streaming all manner of things in an attempt to circumvent alone manifesting. But along with isolation and sanitation has come a growing inclination towards profit rectification and a new pandemic featuring set after set of job loss setbacks and back set back into corners there is no escape from is proving as deadly as the virus. When this company, with operations globally, started talking redundancy to preserve costs to... Sorry, I just lost that one. <laughs> oh, this is what my brain does when it gets tired, I'm sorry. Uh, so I'm going again. When this company, with operations globally, started talking redundancy to cut costs to preserve profits, which realistically, even if half would still be profit enough to ensure no person on their payroll need be told they are unnecessary, it was not their intent to leave a child, a family, a wife with a human-shaped hole in their lives, but they did. And I have to wonder if the decision-makers in these multinational companies know they could offer job security instead of new facilities across the globe. How can they not know the antidote to human suffering is hope? Thank you. Okay, this next one is fairly, it's a pretty brutal poem, so if you have to leave, please uh, go to take care of yourself. Living with PTSD, a profound brain injury, not to be mistaken for a deficiency of serotonin or dopamine, not to be mistaken for seeking attention, fragility of temperament, paranoia or simply demented, not to be mistaken for temporary mental incapacity, easily remedied with positive thinking, just endless sinking into the odd blue is a motherfucking cunt, so... <laughs> Don't tell me to breathe. I used to have a sense of humour, was a bit of a practical joker until some joker with a twisted sense of humour ran me down in a car park, leaving me twisted, broken, flat on my back, unsure of if the attack was over or just set in motion, squealing tyres, revving engine, telling me I'd be killed in front of my children, powerless to get up and run, leaving me mind-blowingly fucked without the satisfaction, so don't tell me to breathe. You imagine people always looking at you questioningly, Questioning if you're really trying to move on or just wallowing in self-pity. Questioning if you've really got PTSD or just cashing in on a label that seems trendy. Questioning why you seemed so normal last week and now you seem so weak. Questioning your overreactions to everyday situations. Questioning, questioning, questioning. Don't tell me to breathe. Trauma physically changes the brain's neurobiology. Neural pathways directing memories to be parked in the underground car park of the past or being bypassed. So if you startle me, make me feel uneasy, behave unpredictably, it's like deja vu and boom. My free fall without the bungee cord into adrenal system overload. My brain tries to instill reasons, screaming all the reasons why this is not the same thing as that thing or that thing or that thing. Don't tell me to breathe. It will not reconnect the disconnect between mind and body, deactivate my overactive amygdala, trigger my prefrontal cortex to behave as an emotional regulator, create an exit route for memory off the hippocampus roundabout. So my brain can figure out there's nothing to freak out about so we can figure out you're joking about there's nothing the fuck to freak out about don't tell me to breathe hug me without judgment 
Lord, cry. Soothe me like you would a child. Accepting this new version of me is the only way to grant my hell any kind of validity. Don't think that because the brain is elastic it can heal this injury. Don't think I haven't tried every available treatment already. Don't shame or mock or pity me. And for fuck's sake, please, don't tell me to breathe. screen conjures images obscene and pumps fear-filled adrenaline through the bloodstream. Sounds like nightmare, yet seems the common theme to the backing track of global Hitler living the dream. Domestic violence does not discriminate. It's everywhere, like the condensate that gathers in the hot air of words we use to commiserate with families whose lives will never be the same because someone they love has been taken out of the game. We go to fundraisers, buy raffle tickets, raise money to raise awareness, but really we're complicit because all this doing what we're doing is doing nothing for that person who sometime this week will be terrified, curled up on that kitchen floor whilst a perv kicks, spits and wreaks havoc on their body with steel cap booted feet. Why don't they leave? We ask the question when we, not beaten or broken, do not have the courage to bang on a door when we hear an abusive ruckus. We convince ourselves, oh, we shouldn't interfere, it's best left to the authorities with all the right gear, like red tape, by the truckload, which keeps their hands tied until the victim gets hospitalised or eventually <coughs> dies. Domestic violence does not discriminate. It feeds on blind eyes and processes that complicate leaving victims without safety or a means to escape the situations which annihilate. And while I've been entertaining you today, abusive situations have gotten underway. About six by the time I finish this poem, over a thousand by the time you decide to go home. That's men, women and children across the board. Statistics only on cases that have been reported. Domestic violence does not discriminate. Perpetrators blame love, not hate, for their actions which insidiously create hollowed-out holes in those whose only mistake was to not see through their disguise before it was too damn late. And ours is requiring the abused to press charges, seek help, leave the abuse behind, when we already know that fear completely fucks the mind. I want to know, when will we create laws empowering those who hold the victims dear? When will we create laws unshackling the hands of those who are trained to interfere? When will we create the backing track to living the dream, free from the backbeat of terrified heartbeats and nightmare-inducing screams? Manchester has seen in years. Don't worry about it. 
No, Satan agrees. <laughs> we have the power of Lucifer behind us. You're going to make me forget my words, so I need to thank you. You're welcome. I was taught if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. I've discovered dreams unfold outside of our control when we venture off plan into the unknowable. I was taught life is in a permanent state of change, yet we seem determined to resist it, steadfastly miserable about the new normal. Despite the isolating and distancing, having created space for listening, space for finding solutions to mending all the pieces we are learning are broken. I've discovered change recalibrates my orbit towards the gravitational pull of all the experiences I never dreamt of. I was taught a doctrine of right and wrong of a plethora of things, which created a bedrock of opinions based on inherited beliefs, but no experiential knowledge. I have discovered opinions are better fluid, nothing beats experience, and right and wrong are just perspective. I was taught that love anointed by God adhered to strict rules on race, religion and gender, I have discovered there is so much more to love than any of these things and it cannot in stone be rendered as commandments. I have fallen in love with women who are strong beyond any notion of the notion of strength I was born with. Articulating truths of the collective from personal perspective, they embody the spirit of Amazons and I cannot help but love them. I have fallen in love with men of all race, religion and sexual orientation. Watching them stand in solidarity with women and other minorities has shown me all the beautiful a man can choose to be. And it has changed me. I have fallen in love with humans who do not identify as one gender or another and they exemplify courage. They are fearless because they have faced the worst of us yet choose to stand up and be counted, honouring their truths even as rigid minds refuse to honour the scientific basis of their truths. Splendour and magnificence is kept within what makes us all different and I have discovered I can no longer be indifferent. I have fallen in love with individuals, minimised, victimised, brutalised throughout the ages. Things I was taught I should not self-tolerate, I now appreciate and celebrate. I have fallen in love with people in general, and I have discovered it does not need to be sexual to be deep and effectual on my soul. Everyone I have fallen for, First and foremost is a person, and I have discovered that by embracing all that is human, instead of the rules, trying to contain all that is human, more possibilities exist for whom we can fall in love with than what is suggested by a poorly informed idea of the right or wrong of whom we can fall in love with. During this unique time in human history, I have taken a journey of discovery, and through eyes made innocent from the realisation I know nothing, I have discovered infinite truths and realities exist, just waiting to be embraced by minds that are free. Thank you. Spoken, mate.